Blog Talk Radio. All right, hello everyone. This is Tamara Luna with the Tree Life Hour. Um, we are kind of missing our intro, and I want to apologize for that. And also, um, there's going to be a slight delay with the show start today. Um, trying to get myself together to get the show going. I had something that happened right before this. So I'm going to play a song for everyone, yay, to kind of get us going. Um, and I am going to play um, Gypsy. And we won't wait any longer, and when the song's over, we will get this show started. So we will be doing our Chasing Scrolls episode tonight, and probably when the song's over, I'll stay tuned. We'll be right back.
ancients drew that power true on temple floors and walls and cast it flaming in the air with barbarous words and calls and witches know the power of that holy mystery a symbol of the mystic way through all of history though you thought you had destroyed the memory of the ancient way still the people
Oops, I hope the song hasn't been over very long. I want to apologize to everyone because um, according to the timer, it still has like five minutes left, but my computer's going really slow, so I apologize. So um, <laughs> I just got all kinds of things going on tonight. So again, I apologize, and I am going to play our official opening. So here it is, or maybe... It is the second the second Wednesday of May. So it is or fourth Wednesday. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Okay, so I've got all kinds of internet gremlins going on on my computer tonight. I'm a, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I give up. Um, so, again, this is Samara Luna, and this is the Tree of Life Hour. The Tree of Life Hour is brought to you by the Tree of Life Community Center, a nonprofit group in the Louisville, Kentucky area that is trying to create space for people of earth-based religions and philosophies. And our show is all about the pagan community, things we think pagan communities should know and be talking about. And tonight is our Tasting Squirrels episode. And I have with me Lady Vanessa. Hello. Dee. Hi, everybody. For Luna Productions, I should probably add. <laughs> and Brent, who I believe is also from Luna Productions, correct? That is correct. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for coming on. So um, I guess the first thing that we should talk about is the big news that came out today. So I don't know if you all have heard about Caldera. No. Okay, I saw so, what you posted. Um, yeah. So do you all know what Caldera Fest was? No. No. <laughs> okay. So, okay. A music so fest held in the South. Right. In 2016, they had a big music, pagan music festival held in Georgia. Um, okay. And then they were supposed to have it last year. And they decided to delay it and move it out to 2019. And they were changing the date and everything because they wanted to make sure they could get everything set up and get cause, and fix all the complaints that they had from 2016. It was the first festival. There's always going to be bugs. Well, today um, one of the events on Facebook got canceled for it, and I got the notification for it. I went out there and checked it, and a lot of people were asking, what's going on? No one was answering. So... Um, Our station manager contacted uh, David, who runs it, and um, he got back to her and gave her an official statement. And then, apparently, their Facebook page was down, their regular website was down. Um, I heard that there wasn't any posts on Twitter or anything. So no one knew what was going on. So finally, um, we got an official uh, announcement from them that we shared with everyone on the Pagan Night Radio Network, and I'm trying to find it, and it looks like it might just be easier for me to bring it up on my phone since my computer is just not cooperating with me right now. So, um, but, so it has been canceled, officially. <coughs> And I'll read the announcement, and then I'll tell you uh, exactly what a lot of people are saying about this. 
So the announcement goes as so. Um, he sent this official announcement to us and then also shared it on, I guess he reactivated the Caldera page and shared it on the Caldera page. So it says, my, my name is David Bannock, or Bonnick, I'm not sure how to say it, and I am the creator of Caldera Fest Pagan Music Festival. Caldera Fest 2019 will not be happening. Caldera Fest was my idea for over a decade and my passion and my obsession for over four years now. It truly breaks my heart to have no choice to cancel the event. After spending nearly $50,000 out of our pockets to pay for Caldera Fest, we find that 2019 and beyond is just not financially possible. We will be issuing refunds at a percentage of the sale price based on the amount of capital that we still have. We will be sending out emails very soon to ticket holders and vendors regarding this. All I can say is that we are truly sorry for this, and it tears me apart to have to do this. I know many of you will be upset by this news. Please remember that we did this for the betterment of the greater pagan community. All we ever wanted was to be able to break even. At this time, this is the only statement we will make, and we will not be answering questions about this. So there are a lot of people upset right now. (laughs) Um, Because there are vendors and uh, ticket holders that when they canceled the first Caldera Fest 2017 and decided to postpone it, a lot of people said, that's fine, move my ticket to 2019, no problem. And a lot of vendors did that, too. They are like, that's fine, just move my stuff to 2019. Well, now, (laughs) that's not going to happen. Um, and they're only getting a percentage of what they paid back. So, um, so what do you all think of of the of the statement that was put out? Sounds like it was developed by his lawyer, and it's probably about the wisest move he could do. So, it's probably what he needed to do. I know that there's his, like recently over the past five years or so, a lot of festivals have been struggling and they've been struggling with attendance. They've been struggling financially festivals that have been running for decades or shutting down. Uh, so I'm not really surprised to hear that a brand new festival is having trouble getting off the ground. Um, but I think it's always a shame when, you know, people who, take the leap on a new festival and kind of trust and invest their money in a new festival to try to help support it, you know, when they lose out by getting disappointed, their festival goes away, they don't get all of their money back. Um, I think at the very least, you know, at least they're trying to return a percentage of the money that people sent because in a a lot of the fine print in festivals, you know, doesn't make them liable for returning any of the money. So at least they're making the effort to return some of it. Good point. So here's the thing, though, too, is apparently the post, his official post on the on the on the Caldera Fest Facebook page, the page has been taken down again. So it was only up for a couple hours. Do you think that's right? <laughs> I think that's a little strange. But it's also weird for me to be opining about this because I don't know about the festival or the people or the history, you know, but 
I wonder how much emotional pain this person might be in. You know? Like, yeah, he may be making poor choices. He also may be heartbroken that his festival is tanked for good. Uh, so he might not be necessarily making the world's best choices when it comes to how he communicates with people. And that's, you know, we run things like amateurs because we are amateurs sometimes. And so bad choices are made and people aren't fully informed and, you know, things are done that only cause more distress and concern amongst consumers, not less. And yeah. How do you handle a disaster? (laughs) Right. Right. And the thing though is that is, I mean, coming from a vendor perspective, there's a lot of pagan vendors that, you know, they put that money in there and they expect at least to make that much back. It, you know, or if they're doing it full time, more than that. And sometimes that money, you know, especially if you're putting it in during the off season, that's all the money you got. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they don't even know right now how much of a percentage that they're getting back. And as of right now, he shut down the Facebook page again. And he said he's not answering any questions. I mean, this is the point where, in my opinion, he should be answering questions. He should be explaining stuff. He should be talking to people. Right what, now, what was I the vending fee? How um, bad? How like how big it was how like, big were the fees? I'm not positive. I did look at it, but I don't remember now. But I think it was around three or four hundred dollars. That's pretty it could be even more than that. Yeah, and then um, I mean, there were some vendors I know that had uh, issues with the way it was ran. The first festival was ran and had decided not to go back. Um, for the second festival, but there were other people that were, you know, were like, well, the first festival will give it another shot, and they went ahead and paid for it, and then it was delayed or postponed, and a lot of people are upset because now that they're canceling it, they can't even go back, and because they decided to postpone it and keep their money in, they can't go back and fight the charges now. It's past the date. Mm. Mm. And there's other people that they said they didn't even get their refunds from when it was postponed the first time because he offered refunds and they're saying they didn't even get them from then. I'm, I primarily have more experience with uh, fan conventions tanking than pagan conventions or festivals tanking, but usually when they fall apart, they fall apart pretty spectacularly and badly because people we hope are doing it out of their love for the subject not necessarily because they have the skill set to successfully run something like that so you know and I think that sometimes you know we look into people who have have a love for it and do have the skill set or just are naturally talented in organizing something and then you have people who are either in it for the wrong reason or they're in it for the right reason, but they don't have the skills or the acumen or the uh, ability to handle it when things fall apart. And I think another issue is that no one knew what was going on until he was asked either. 
it's just the communica- the communication just wasn't happening until our stage manager actually asked him about it. And that's when he sent it to us and he posted it. And for someone to have to ask what's going on and ask for an official statement, I mean, I I just think that, that there should have been more communication. And that's my personal opinion. This is not the the it's not the radio station's opinion. This is just my personal opinion. Yeah, I think taking down all your social media presences is probably a bad first step. I would have to agree with that. It may have been the advice of his attorney, assuming he had one, because I have to uh, second what Dee said, and that's creating a festival and the management issues and the finance issues that go along with that are far different than knowing and loving your subject matter. It's the same with teaching. I often meet people who get into the field of teaching who are from their field, perhaps business, and then they teach business at a high school level. They have to go back and study actual teaching because they don't have those techniques, well, those that skill set. And I think you're dealing with the same thing here, probably just lacking management coordination abilities and the, all the love and passion for your subject won't get you through that it really won't it's a whole other world you need you need um, certain kinds of skills and to know what hurdles to jump through and what papers and documents to get signed by the area the state the federal government it's very complicated. There's nothing simple about it. <clears throat> All right. So, um, but I did, we did want to at least make everyone aware of it. Um, for you know, not everyone has Facebook, or not everyone's always on Facebook. But maybe if someone right. wants, you know listens to our show, that they'll at least know what's going on, um, especially if they have a ticket or if they were planning on purchasing a ticket. Um, so we want to at least get the news out there. Right. Well, thank you for that. All right. So, um, on to other news though, because I don't want to talk about this one all night. Um, so we've all, okay. So have you seen the news stories where people are calling parents and being like, I have your kid and they don't really have their kid. They haven't really kidnapped them that they're telling them they did and trying to extort money from them? No. Also, no. I, I'm missing some kooky news lately. I've got to pay more attention. Well, this has actually been going on for years, but it just now started happening um, probably in the last year or two, I guess, here in the United States, uh, like just average people. Um, there's actually an article on Wild Hunt, and I want to talk about support Wild Hunt. They need your help. They are the only like pagan news organization out there and we use them all the time for chasing squirrels um, to give you all the news that's going on so please go out and support them um, they're really in need of some donations and some support so you can go to wildhunt.org and there is a subscribe button or a donate button and you can pay through PayPal but they really need your help right now so um, but Oh, and also let everybody know that um, someone from Wild Hunt is actually going to be on this show, I believe, the 
25th. April 25th. Um, someone is from Wild Hunt is going to be not on our show, but the show that comes on Wednesday. Uh, okay, so the story is is that um, so people are getting phone calls saying we got your daughter, and then they extort money from them. So this happened in Silver Spring, Maryland, to a witch, and she's now asking the community for payback, but not asking for money. So I'll start off with the story. So uh, it says. She was, um, her daughter was getting on a Florida plane at the time and apparently had accidentally picked up uh, her dad's phone, her, her, her dad's phone to take and not her own. So she gets a phone call that says, we have your daughter. And then immediately after a scream that very well could have been Kenner's child, who was due to board a plane at the time. So she couldn't really text or call or anything because she didn't have her phone. And plus she was getting on a plane. And so her adult daughter was recently come home through health difficulties of her own. And when they told her their daughter that the word stuck at the core of her being, the specific target mother, and they're saying that they specifically target mothers and daughters. Um, and it's fact that they, and it says what makes this scam effective even against people who think they wouldn't fall for it is the fact that victims are kept off balance and isolated. It says Kenner spent eight hours collecting and sending money to ensure her daughter's safety. She was given specific driving directions that made it clear the first time the other end of the line was tracking her location, and she was told to keep her phone speaker on. This made it difficult to single and alert the bank teller or the employees at any time to many shops. Uh, on Triangle Lane from where she sent money orders. In addition, whenever she was in the car, she was being regaled with specific details about what would become of her daughter if she did not comply. And then each time she went inside, Kinder was instructed to send $1,900 just under the report limit to a different individual in Extapoluca, Mexico. And afterwards, she was ordered to tear up the receipts. And then there was two different men on the phone playing good guy, bad guy. Um, so the FBI, of course, is involved now. And she said that the FBI asked her to visit each of the locations again to find out to whom she sent the money. Um, and driving around the second time was also instructive in helping her understand that it was more than money she lost. Turned around again and again during the ordeal. She's now discovered that her normal acute sense of direction had been diminished. She believes that that's evidence that she's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, think about it. If, your kids, if you think your kid's taken, I mean, whether they were regardless, regardless if they were taken or not, you're still going to be going through the same emotions. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so pretty horrifying. Yeah. yeah. So she uh, she's calling upon witches and magic using pagans to do is hex the perpetrators. Uh, she goes, I have served community needs faithfully for de- decades, and this is my time of need. It would be a noble deed to declamate an organized crime ring business or decimate. Sorry, I don't know where I got decimate. Decimate an organized crime ring business enterprise. We would be helping our fellow citizens by doing this work on both sides of the Rio Grande. 
destroying the business of these criminals would also directly help all the people this evil enterprise is going to victimize in the future. Cursing this crime syndicate would be like helping to take out the trash as a courtesy to our Mexican neighbors. So she lists all the aliases that she obtained, um, as well as the two men who double teamed her on the phone. So she's got all the names listed of the people who they think it is, but she also said earlier, though, that the names may not be, of course, their real names because that you have to have an ID to pick it up, but they're not going to use their ID to pick up the money. You know, their real ID. So they've even posted a, um, they wrote a spell to use for those who don't have one handy, and it uses the Mexican flag as a focus. So, Dee, what do you think of that? It's interesting. I mean, it's definitely work that would you know, benefit the community if this is something that is happening over and over and over again. And I think it's an interesting concept to use. I'm, I'm looking at um, the wording of the spell right now, uh, how they use the color of the flag to represent um, the powers that they would want to call on to uh, – deliver retribution to the people who are misbehaving in this way. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and just to let everybody uh, out there, I'm not going to go through and read the whole spell, but they're actually, the focus of the flag is to focus that energy and the colors and the representations to actually do the work against the criminal syndicate, not actually focusing the intentions at the Mexican flag. I just wanted to make that clear. So very interesting. It's interesting work. I mean, it's a very odd uh, and and bizarre story. Just you know the methodology there, and um, yeah, I'm just trying to take it all in right now. Well, you think they'd have to have some kind of hackers or something to be able to track her GPS coordinates. To know where she was at at all times. They probably didn't. Is it possible they didn't know? I mean, that's why the FBI has to get involved, because those people are notorious liars. That's what they do. And uh, they may very well not have any clue where she was moment to moment. But making her, bluffing her and you know, letting her think that they did. The FBI has got to really take care of that and I certainly hope they track them down and take them out and they're actually pretty good at that when they have enough information so I was surprised you know if somebody did that to me I would not believe them I would not I would immediately call the FBI Um, I know that sounds weird and I'm as emotional or more emotional than any woman in the world um, probably but uh, well maybe not any but I would not have believed them. I would not. And I feel sorry for her that she did that, but those people are very bad people to do that. Their behaviors are reprehensible beyond to try, try to steal money from people based on the well-being of their children. It's horrifying. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Scammers scam, so I'm not sure 
what to believe their capabilities are. I'm trying to catch up on this story. It's very puzzling. I don't know how to find the spell, or I would. Can you tell me how to find that, Samaralina? Um, it's on the Wild Hunt. It's on the Wild okay. Hunt page. It's at the very bottom of the article. Okay. If, um, yes, if Wild you, Hunt is uh, the spell if anybody wants to do it. I, I Googled uh, wildhunt.org and threw in a couple words. Like uh, I, I caught that it was in, uh, uh, was it Spring Silver Springs, Maryland? and put the word witch, and it pulled up the article. Okay. I'm on it. Mine will, too. And like I said, this has happened in other places, too. I mean, I've seen I've seen people sharing it on Facebook of other news stories where it's happened. Virtual um, kidnapping scam. So it, it's just that it's starting to happen more often now. Um I guess the first thing my thought would be like, oh, this can't be real because I'm not rich. Well, they're not targeting rich people anymore. <laughs> so, and um, I just I just did a regular Google search and also found that uh, found a CBS News link that says FBI sounds alarm on virtual kidnapping scam. So the FBI has actually put out a warning on this. Yeah, it, uh, ABC um, News just. I just scanned the Wild Hunt article looking for technical details, and it looks like it's all based off of social engineering and not the kidnappers not actually having any technology. Right. So it's all right. threats and crazy statements and, and like the victim Bluffing. said, being kept off balance and rather than them actually knowing where the person is. Yeah, using cheap tricks to... Uh elicit vis- reactions of visceral fear, parent-child scream in the background, that sort of thing. Yeah, it seems like it's to get a person to operate on their primal instincts and not question what's going on. doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of know-how involved. All right. And it looks like, I mean, this is happening in New York, L.A., Washington State. I mean, it's, it's happening all over. So it's good it's good to get that out there that this is happening for people to know it's happening. Right. Right. So when did she actually I haven't read this whole article. When did she actually go to the FBI realizing she's been scammed? I mean, there has to be some point where she figured that out. Uh probably after the 8 hours that she was on the phone with him was up. Because they wouldn't let her get off the phone during that time. Right. Most people have a car charger and have a car charger anymore because they kept her in her car right. a lot of the time. Mhm. And, and so, and I know, I think I, I believe in in the article I read previously said that a lot of times they do it during school hours. So when most students, you know, for even students that have their have phones won't have their phones where they can get to them because they'll be in class. You can call a school. That's right. Ask for proof that it's your kid. I mean, in big, big, you know, actual kidnappings, they ask for proof that they have the person. Um, and I'm I'm also scanning because this is new to me too. What the 
what's the purpose of praying to, or not praying, but the casting a spell using the Mexican flag? To uh, punish I think it was because doing it. Yeah, and they're based in Mexico, so I think they're trying to use oh, their, own, Mexico, Mexico. their own flag against yeah. them. Huh. They're using the imagery and color uh, imagery to evoke um, certain things, obviously. I'm reading the spell. The green of independence, yeah. the white of purity and faith, the red blood of ancestors. They're they're using that for imagery, I guess, apparently. <laughs> that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It's a strange, yeah, strange I thing. It, I strange agree thing. it's a strange thing, yeah. I mean, I suppose you could use just about anything, but... Yeah, it seems odd to me. And I think a lot of what they're basing it on is they're just wanting gut reaction. You know, people that just yeah. are going to have that gut reaction to uh, of protection to protect their child. That's what they're looking for. I'm sure. I'm sure most people are probably not falling for it, but some people are just because of the gut reaction. Or like in this woman's case, you know, her daughter was getting on a plane. She didn't have any way to verify it. She didn't even have her daughter didn't even have her phone. Airline, you can, you can do what he said about the calling the school. You can call the airline. They will confirm it. They'll also help you get in touch with the FBI real fast in a situation yeah. like that. The airlines are good about that. But see, what they're doing is they're scaring people into staying on the phone and not getting off the phone. They're threatening that they'll kill them if they hang up. Well, then they wouldn't get their so, money, right? But, but when you're in that kind of situation, I guess I guess you don't really know how you're going to react until you're in that kind of situation. So, especially if you didn't have any forewarning that stuff like this was going on, you know. Right. That is crazy. Right. All right, so the next article I wanted to address, <clears throat> I actually saw this one earlier this week being shared on Facebook. Um, have you all heard about the women-focused share, shared workspace that is being called The Coven that is not pagan-related? I'm sorry, say again. Um, in Minneapolis, a woman-focused shared workspace called The Coven has been opened in the city. Despite members being addressed as witches, it does not have a specific Wiccan or pagan religious identity and appears to be completely secular. So um, huh. what is going on is four women opened this um, on International Women's Day. Um, It's a membership-based workspace for female and non-binary gender-identified people. And she says, we Uh call our business the coven because it has power and energy, according to the statement on the group's website. We believe when women gather together, they create magic. Those who practice Wicca believe in doing the most good, and so do we. All of our business decisions are made following this mantra in the spirit of doing the most good for our community. Um, they also reportedly consulted with some local witches about possible offense. Possibly. So, uh, possibly offending other pagans or witches. Oh, offending. Okay. Offending. Okay. <clears throat> offending. 
Well, I found an article on it, but I don't think I'm reading what you're reading. I'm actually reading their um, website, so I don't think that's what you're reading from necessarily. No, I'm, no, I'm reading from the Wild Hunt article. Okay. I haven't found that. I found their website. That's what came up first. Are, are some finding this offensive? Um, I know on Facebook, so there I saw a lot of mixed uh, mixed emotions about it. Honestly, um, I, I hadn't run into it a lot yet, so I didn't know um, what the issue was really just yet until just now, pretty much. <laughs> but there were some people yeah. that were slightly offended that they would, you know, pull in religious terminology from within paganism into a secular group. Um. So I'm not sure, I don't know, I guess I kind of have mixed feelings. I can kind of see what some people are saying, that they're kind of offended people calling themselves witches that aren't and all this other stuff. But at the same time, if it is bringing women together, and which generically means wise women. Maybe I'm missing it something. Really hurting it seems to me like if, if anything at all, it sounds like they're positively oriented, and while it's secular, it's a fairly positive use of the word coven as opposed to like a, I don't know, a group that's uh, trying purposely to elicit uh, negative feelings of horror or something. I don't know. First thing that came to mind was like, I try to find analogies in that. Like how would it be if you flip things? The first thing I thought of, there's a band called the church. (laughs) It's okay with me, I guess. Um, People get together and call it a powwow. Right. And actually, to me, now that I'm reading this, it doesn't sound too bad because actually what it says is um, on its website, it says they describe the coven as a coffee shop style co-working space. The four founders felt that traditional workspaces and cultures fared female and non-binary gender identified people. The founders wanted to make networking and mentoring easy and simple. They designed the coven to create a supportive atmosphere for female and non-binary gender-identified entrepreneurs. Um, annual membership costs 2200 slightly less overall than the $200 monthly cost. The four founders set a ratio between paying memberships and scholarship memberships, so for every five paying memberships, they award a full scholarship. Um, and this would result in a target of scholarships of 16.7% of all memberships. So, I mean, I guess it really doesn't, I think most, I guess the people that I saw that were upset were upset with more of the terminology. But like I said, isn't witch just, I mean, isn't witch in Wicca just supposed to mean wise woman generically? Uh, yes, it's uh, from the same root as the German Wissen, means uh, or Wissenschaft. Yeah, it means wise or to be wise, to know. In German, ich weiß, so, I know. Yeah. Same. Yes. So I don't really see how. I don't know. I mean, just personally, I don't see how it can be an issue. Yeah, they even say here in the article on the Wild Hunt that they've actually had pagan-adjacent workshops, vibrant sexuality, spring equinox meditation. I don't know. I'm good with it. (laughs) I'm good with it. (laughs) I'm definitely good with it. 
as long as they don't try to copyright the word in any form, then, you know, I'm there you good. go. I'm good with that. I, 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 I cannot own that word. That everybody cannot. is a magician, whether they realize it or not, which means that yep. if you think about it that all, way, all women are witches. All women so are witches. Any gathering of forever. Right. Any gathering of women is a coven. So, or or non-binary, gendered, identifying individuals. Yeah, and my, my first say. thought is, my first thought is there are probably much, much larger threats to pagan identity, from within the community as well as without. So if we get to the level where we could worry about uh, a group like that and the use of coven, maybe that'll be the day. <laughs> yeah. Also, look at all the good the Satanic Temple's done, and they're not really Satanists. No, they're That's not. true. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, they're not Satanists in the terminology of the Christian churches. <laughs> well, they they say they're not Satanists. They're, I think they say they're an atheist organization. So, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, so it is time for us to take a break, and I'm just going while we're on break, I'm just going to check and make sure there's not something else um, we want to discuss. So I'm going to play a quick song, and I'm going to play, um, how about some Incubus? And how about, I'm going to play Incubus, and the song is called Sabrina.
All right, and we are back, and this is the Tree of Life Hour on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network, and this is our Chasing Squirrels episode. And um, I do have a, a feel-good story to um, give everyone hope before we leave because I know some of these stories have been kind of depressing. Um, so um, but before I do that, I wanted to, did you all have any like news or anything that you wanted to bring up or anything? Um, Brent, is there anything you want? I'll let you go first. You can say yes or no. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's a, uh article carried by Vice. It's just one of several, but there's one um, uh, by Vice came out recently, I guess the last couple of weeks. It's been shared um, among pagans and uh, – some of our friends, entitled Racists Are Threatening to Take Over Paganism, and it explores the basically two branches of paganism or two sort of schools of thought that are developing in very different ways in modern paganism, those that are inclusivist, and uh, it, it talks about Wicca and its transformation as it's come to America and what it's evolved into now where it's um, – more open or sees itself that way and uh, those that and I think this is too broad but it talks about some that are of uh, uh, follow specific pantheons and it um, I can't think of the word not reconstructionist but maybe it is reconstructionist uh, where there sometimes becomes a uh, ethnicity related uh, practice that goes beyond just um, reverence for one's ancestors or uh, preference for a certain pantheon of a certain uh, nationality or something, but becomes straight out racism and nationalism. And there's kind of a, a war going on for the, the heart of paganism. And Dee might be able to speak more to an article that um, has come out too, where uh white nationalist group purchased land in uh, eastern Tennessee and started a sort of a, a white nationalist, I think heathen-based, I believe that's right, or Arsatru. Um, do you have that article up, or do you know anything about that? Yeah, I'm looking and at I it. think we may, have, we may have discussed that on a previous episode, possibly, I'm not sure, but it's a whites only community and, uh, they've bought 44 acres in a rural park in Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. And they have neo Nazi ties, white and ties to white supremacist groups. And, um, they're doing it as a, uh, exclusionist pagan, uh, community called Wotan's nation. Um, and they they label themselves folkish heathens, um, but of course other folkish heathens don't really want to have anything to do with them because other folkish heathens aren't white supremacists. Uh, so with that in the Vice article, it's pretty amazing. The you would never see an article like that in Vice in the 90s, like or well, Vice probably wasn't around, but like the mainstreaming of paganism, where uh, unfortunately due to this white supremacy issue, it has become a 
normal topic for the news. And, and the main thrust of the story is not, oh, there are Wiccans or pagans. It's, oh, my God, pagans means paganism might be taken over by white supremacy, which, of course, belies a misunderstanding of how fragmented paganism is. It would be really hard to take over all paganism. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and Raven Tyre and Ulf, they, they address this a lot uh, because, you know, heathenism – and Ossetur has always had issues with, you know, th- there's some, you know, small sects within them that are, are racist, and they speak out against it all the time. Um, and I think, and Ravenfire and Ulf, I know, have addressed, both addressed um, the issue with the racism um, within the heathen community multiple times and speak out against it and are very vocal against it. I just think it must be horrible to find, you know, a heathen organization and go, oh, my God, my people, I feel comfortable here. I found the pagan path that I like and then realize you're in the middle of a maelstrom of, you know, this fight for the soul of that particular path. You know, whether, and there is some question um, with this group, whether they're even actually pagan, you know, how pagan are they? Are they really a pagan group? Are they, uh, a, are they just Christianity it with the thin veneer of, of, you know, heathen imagery? So it's, a, it's concerning. It's interesting. It's, uh, I've had multiple people send it to me over the course of the last week or so going, what the hell's going on in, in your part of the religious world? Why is this happening? So, yeah, it, um, and there, ha- there, there are statements, as you mentioned, um, uh, heathens against racism, and there have been some, some joint statements made about heathen unity and, and denouncing this type of uh, racist behavior. Um, there's an article in The Atlantic, talk about mainstreaming uh and, and you, yeah, and you can look at it a couple of ways. One, paganism is a big enough deal that it's it's making uh, the mainstream media, um, or that our racist problem is so big that it, it, it's become a, a focus, a sub-focus within the greater um, national debate on what's going on with with racist ideology. Uh, it's called what to do when your what to do when racists try to hijack your religion. And the subtitle is, White Supremacists Are Co-Opting Norse Heathen Symbols Should the Heathens Ignore Them, Protest Them, Create a New Theology. You know, um, I, I, and I, I don't think it's just within what people would sometimes call the proper pagan community, but the esoteric community uh, in general. There seems to be some real stirrings of this nature and Unfortunately, I think there's been a slow response, a very needed response, because I think a lot of times those who have, especially those I think who have fled Abrahamic faiths and stuff and want an environment where there's not a lot of um, um, politicization and that sort of thing, wants to escape like um, uh, right-leaning Christian evangelists and that type of stuff are hesitant to take on Topics like this that might seem heavy or gloomy or would politically divide a group, but I think it 
that silence has, has been costly and allowed um, the, some of these groups to be maybe not welcomed but tolerated to a, an extent that I, I think might be detrimental as we go forward if it's allowed to continue. So, okay, we're running over time, but so I wanted to go on. That actually kind of leads into the feel-good story because um, on the Wild Hunt, they announced that there is a new um, Heathen Men United is formed to combat that. I can't talk tonight to combat misogyny. Uh, Sex, gender, and race issues are churning among heathens. For example, Declaration 127 was published by... Uh, Hugens Hoff as a denouncement of bigotry seen as the official position of the Austrian Folkish Assembly. The formation of Heathen, Heathen Women United occurred in early 2017. That summer, the Twitter hashtag HaveEmAllWitches began to appear in social media, which we also did a show on that. Most recently, late last month, Heathen Men United was formed in response to misogyny and toxic masculinity. We turn to his organizers to learn more, and you can read more on the Wild Hunt article, but a lot of it was said that it came out. They saw the issues with heathen women were dealing with and how these women created Heathen Women United and sought action to address those issues. So they hoped to, uh, for affirmative productive change in the heathen community by focusing on positive, supportive examples of masculinity. We are our deeds is what they're saying. So um, this this sounds like a pretty cool group. It actually came out. Uh, a lot of people, they're not, there's no formal relationship between Heathen Men United and Heathen Women United. Um, they remain separate groups, uh, although members do work together. They're partners with uh, Heathen Women United, and they said they will work with them to improve heathenry. So at least that's a good story that's come out with with the heathen path. So that uh, real quick, lovely after all... everything else. Yes, it does. Um, real quick though, I'm gonna let you all plug everything that you're involved in right now. So, um, Lady Vanessa, why don't you go first, real quick, and plug what you have going on and how people can contact you if they'd like to. Hi, yeah, um, this is Lady Vanessa, and I'm always happy to help out with the show when I'm able. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Lady Vanessa Magical Arts, that you can find. And I also have a presence, though small, on witchbox.com. Currently in the works, I have a lot of traveling planned for the summer, (laughs) in the next few months, but I will be appearing at the Mighty Kindness Hoot here in Louisville on the waterfront on the 19th. It's during Puff, so a lot of my friends and uh, whatnot, they'll be in Puff down in Tennessee, which I would like to be because I bet I could see uh, Dean Brent if I was down that way, but I could stop by at least. Yeah, I know. It'd be great. But it didn't work out that way. I'll be here for that event, and that's next month. That's really uh, about all I've got in the uh, uh, immediate for foreseeable future. You're up next. Oh, okay. 
Ann. Uh, so, Soul Luna Productions, we are on Facebook. <clears throat> if you search for Soul Luna Productions, we are out there. Um, the last time I was on here, I was talking about a class we were about to do on uh, Practical Production Magic at Infinity uh, Magic just south of Nashville. That happened last weekend. It went fantastically, and um, we put on our best behavior, and they might even invite us back for more classes. Uh, but we don't have any scheduled yet. Uh, when we do, those will be appearing on our Facebook page. The other announcement I have is that I am finally biting the bullet and writing a book. Uh, so Yay. I have a few thousand words down, and... Um, just I am in the middle of drafting the first draft, and so that will hopefully occupy me as uh, we get some classes scheduled around town. So that's that's what we're up to right now. But look us up on Facebook, Soul Inner Productions. You can follow us, and then you'll know when we're doing classes or anything like that. Okay. All right, then, um, real quick, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go out a few weeks for um, events that are coming up. Um, since we're running over for everyone, just so they know what's coming up in the next two weeks. Um, let's see. This weekend is Mama Ruby's Holistic Mystic Expo at the Owensboro Convention Center. Um, and that is in Owensboro, Kentucky. Kentucky. See, I can't talk. Kentucky, and that's the 13th to the 15th. Um, and I'm not sure, but I think it's free to get in, but um, they'll have all kinds of readers and crystals, gems, everything, and even one of my favorite people that is going to be there with her dragon creation, so check her out. Um, it is Wicked Winglings. Just I'm just going to plug her real quick. Um, <laughs> so then we also have, uh, wow. I don't know if I have. Oh, uh, Thursday, April 19th is uh, Beltane 2018 Mystical Magic, and that is going to be at Spirit Haven in Platonia, Texas, 19th through the 22nd. Uh, you can get more information. And I'm just going to say find the Council of Magical Arts on Facebook because I am not reading out this entire line of their um, website code, whatever. Um, well, actually, I guess I can. It's Magical Arts, and it's magical with a K. Uh, Magical-arts.org slash Beltane. Okay. And then Friday, April 20th, um, Ascension Magic and the Free Rays of Witchcraft, Christopher Penzak. It's going to be in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, it's April 20th through the 22nd. Uh, Ascension uh, Hecate's Cauldron of Mississippi. Had to find that real quick. And then I believe that is going to be all through the next two weeks. So that is all I'm going to Let me comment now. if you don't so. mind. Uh, Owensboro is my hometown, and nothing <laughs> ever, ever has happened like that there before. It's mind-blowing. So it's interesting that this is happening. So might want to check that out. I thought they've had one there before. You have or I, have not? I swear. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, yes, please go check it out if you can. So that is all for tonight. So I just want to say thanks, everyone, for coming on. I appreciate you all joining me tonight and not making me have to be here by myself. <laughs> all right. 
Well, thank you so much for having us. It's always a pleasure. So, um, and thank you, and um, I'm going to tell everybody have a blessed evening, and we will talk to everyone next week. And I am going to take us out with Tuatha Dea, and I'm going to just play something fun. I'm going to play Whiskey in the Dark. So, everyone have a good night. Thanks. Good night. Good night.